they add a flavor to life they add a flavor to everyone's life that's a third type of people so the father told the girl you can either choose to be like a potato hard at the beginning and then eventually become weak and soft later or you can choose to be like a egg soft in the beginning then hard and very insensitive later or you can choose to be like coffee beans when you go in into any aspect of life you start actually adding flavor rather than complaining rather than criticizing rather than cribbing you actually start sweetening uh, life so the reason i am telling you this story is because this story what i'm going to narrate now onwards of the ramayan is a story of three people one was like a potato one was like egg like an egg and one was like coffee beans the first person in the story is wali sorry is sugriv the potato sugriv was somebody who was extremely tough powerful person in the beginning but towards the end of the story you will find he becomes soft and he becomes sensitive weak all the time crying like anything you know so that is the first kind of uh, people that we will come across the second type of uh, monkey in the ramayan is uh, wali who initially was very soft hearted very nice person but the way life treated him he became hard and insensitive absolutely and the third type of monkey in in the ramayan is hanuman ji who when he enters into life no matter how tough it is for him no matter how tough life seems to be he adds flavor to life and anyone who connects with hanuman ji he that person's life also becomes sweet and uh, beautiful so essentially we are going to study these three vanaras in this section of the ramayan and these three vanaras explain three different aspects to life so the scriptures uh, give the whole idea of uh, our epics um you know a very uh, amazing outlook this is what i call as symbolism so that means everything that happens in our scriptures symbolically means something else so many people uh, without understanding the symbolism the concept of symbolism in our scriptures they end up trying to study the scriptures and they really find hardly any use or any worth in studying these scriptures it's right it's a whole story but those who actually understand the scriptures symbolically there is actually so much depth to it there is so much you know understanding that we can gain from the external story which is um, simple so um, as i was saying symbolically different aspects of the ramayana mean different things like for example in the ramayana we find different personalities just the names of the different personalities mean different things uh like for example the name uh, dasharatha the word dasharatha ratha means chariot and dasharatha means the one whose chariot can go in 10 different directions but the inner meaning of the word dasharatha is the one whose 10 senses are under control that means one who can control his 10 senses is called dasharath the opposite of dasharath in the ramayan is a personality known as dashanana ravan has another name dashanana dashanana means the one who has 10 heads so dashanana also means the one whose 10 senses are out of control so dasharatha means one whose 10 senses are in control and dashanana means 
the one whose 10 senses are out of out of control so dasharatha lives in a place known as ayodhya ayodhya comes from the word yuddha yuddha means fight and the word ayuddha means a place where there is no fight so ayodhya is a place where no fight happens which means is a place where peace prevails so dasharatha means a person who has 10 senses under control so somebody who has 10 senses under control has a peaceful mind lives in a peaceful mind and somebody who lives in a peaceful mind who has a peaceful mind only such a person can give birth to ram god in his life so that means for you to be able to give birth to god in your life you first to have should have 10 senses under control and you should have a peaceful mind only then you can give birth to god in your mind so now on an external level dasharatha we hear the word dasharatha all the time but it doesn't make any sense to us unless you see it from this perspective from a symbolic point of view similarly the entire ramayan can be seen symbolically ayodhya represents a place where there is very high culture so people of ayodhya are very high charactered perfect people very very compassionate people and the other extreme of uh, uh, ayodhya the other op- opposite of ayodhya is a place known as lanka lanka is a place where there is insensitive people demoniac people uncultured people so now you have the extremes ayodhya and lanka and between ayodhya and lanka is a place known as kishkinda now physically also kishkinda is located in between ayodhya and lanka but also in terms of mindsets kishkinda is located between ayodhya and lanka so in kishkinda the monkeys who live there the personalities who live there they are called as vanara the word vanara is a question it means nara means human and vanara means are you human it's a question so every vanara has to ask himself the same question am i human so that means to the extent we behave like ayodhyavasis we are humans and to the extent we behave like lankavasis we are monkeys so the symbolically the ramayana talks about this um graph you know so it means one extreme is ayodhya another extreme is lanka and in between is kishkinda so when charles darwin said all of us have come from monkeys that's what he means to say you know it's not about uh, physical evolution of the bodies it's about the evolution of mindsets so that means from here you can either go this side or you can go this side every human being has to ask himself this question vanara vanara means am i human you know so to the extent i behave like ayodhya vasis to that extent i'm human and to the extent i behave like lanka vasis to that extent i'm an, i'm an, i'm an animal so that's the context of this whole thing you know so i'm now taking you all to um, kishkinda where this section of the story takes place so in kishkinda um just to give you a background of uh, the story um sugriv has been living on top of a mountain which is known as a rishimukha parvat and he has been living over there uh, because his brother wali has uh, kicked him out and essentially um sugriv and his brother had a major difference in terms of uh some communication went wrong and they had they became enemies bitter enemies to the extent that wali was going to kill sugriv his own brother so now 
सुग्रीव वॉज स्टेइंग ऑन दिस माउंटेन विथ फोर ऑफ हिस फ्रेंड्स सो दीज फोर फ्रेंड्स वर नल नील तरु एंड हनुमान एंड दीज फोर फ्रेंड्स वे प्रोटेक्टिंग सुग्रीव फ्रॉम वालीज अटैक्स एंड एंड एज मच एज पॉसिबल टू हेल्प सुग्रीव इन वॉट एवर ही वॉन्ट्स सो वन डे एज सुग्रीव वॉज ऑन टॉप ऑफ दिस माउंटेन ऑल दीज थ्री ऑफ दैम नल नील एंड तरु they start running towards sugriv this actually even before they run they start giving all kinds of signals that there is danger ahead and they all start running towards sugriv with great pace and they reach where sugriv is only to find the sugriv is already crying sugriv um he doesn't need to see the problem to cry even if he thinks about the problem he starts crying basically you know he has reached a stage of his life in the threshold where if he understands there is a problem going to come he starts crying in the beginning only you know so uh, even before nala neela and taru they reach sugriv and they tell him what they saw you know because these people are guarding different posts you know and uh, keeping a, a vigil over the whole area even before they said what they saw sugriv was already crying he was saying i am dead i am dead while he is going to kill me i am dead you know so now this is the context of this whole story basically the mindset of this person now if you look at this person now here is a person who has been captivated by a great fear now um what is what is the kind of fear that sugriva has captivated by you know so in essence um fear and love both result in seeing presence and absence so that means when when um, um when you think that something is going to be present you start fearing and when you think that something is going to be absent in case of love you start fearing basically so in love absence makes you afraid absence of the person you love makes you fearful and in fear presence of the thing you are fearful of makes you afraid basically so um the whole idea of fear comes from a very interesting concept the patanjali's yoga sutras explains five things that result in fear it's like a stage by stage development you know so the first stage of fear why a person develops fear the first stage is known as avidya avidya means ignorance it is also means mal perception wrong perceptions so always the origin of fear is ignorance like for example um in the dark when you are walking somewhere there is a fear already arising in the heart why we fear the dark because there are a lot of unknown things in the dark you know because you can't see clearly because there is a lot of ambiguity lack of clarity fear arises so the first level of uh, fear or rather first stage of fear is known as avidya or ignorance so that avidya leads to the next stage which is known as asmita asmita means uh, ego so essentially what ego does to you is it makes you convinced that you are right 
ego leads to two things either it leads to attachments or it leads to aversions this is the third and fourth thing that ego leads to basically you're attached to something or you're averse to something so when somebody is highly ignorant that means somebody has filled with avidya or ignorance the natural result of that ignorance is you tend to be attached to some things or you tend to run away from some things like for example um there are different types of attachments like attachment to entertainment you know or attachment to drinking or attachment to shopping you know so some people when they get into these attachments they do it too much extra you know like for example there are people who can watch television all day long they just go crazy you know watching television you know there are some people who can do shopping all day long you know and then there are some people who can do drinking all day long basically so essentially um these extremes of attachment uh is a result of certain type of fear and he said how is shopping connected with fear shopping is not connected with fear shopping is connected with attachment and attachment is connected with the ego and that ego is connected with um, ignorance and the extreme of attachment is aversion you know some people they say that um, you know some so some people are having intense attachments and some people are having intense atta- uh, aversion like for example one bad experience you have with some sadhu you completely negate the whole point you know it's absolutely sadhus are bad you know so that that's an extreme aversion basically so extreme attachment and extreme aversion both these um lead to what is known as the next thing which is abhi uh, it's called as abhinivesha it means fear but more than fear it means insecurity so when somebody has very high insecurity levels he becomes highly attached to something or highly averse to something so that's why if you look at why people do so much shopping why people do so much drinking why people do so much indulgence it's actually some insecurity they're dealing with and doing that activity makes them feel secure and the other extreme of that insecurity is aversion that means i don't do only some activity basically so both those extremes indicate uh, paralysis by fear and here we find that um uh, sugriv is fearful now fear in one sense is actually a protector fear actually is a message it is not a weakness so what is sugriv fearful of at this point sugriv is fearful of two people ram and lakshman so here he sugriv is on top of the mountain and below the mountain ram and lakshman are walking with a bow and arrow in their hand now as soon as sugriv and his people see ram lakshman walking with a bow and arrow in their hand they become fearful because they think that ram and lakshman have been sent by wali to kill sugriv and sugriv starts thinking if ram and lakshman have come to kill me no one can save me just looking at them he understands these people are powerful these people are extremely courageous and these people are extremely capable i cannot live i cannot survive he concludes basically but now look at this he is thinking that these two people have come to kill him but these two people have some other problem only in their life you know so when we look at people we develop our own perspective of who they are and what they have come to do to me 
but actually each one of each human being has their own problems they're dealing with so sugriva is looking at ram and lakshman as a source of fear but ram and lakshman are already having a lot of problems in their life i mean for them the least problem is to go and kill sugriva you know they are not even bothered about that uh, concept so sugriva is developing a fear that they have come to kill me basically but from ram and uh, lakshman's perspective what is their problem they just lost sita and they are in extreme lamentation they crying this there is so much lamentation over here sugriva is sitting on top of a mountain and making his own conclusions so that's exactly what happens with human beings you know so we all sit on our own mountain of misunderstanding and make our own conclusions about what people on the ground level are doing basically you know so every human being when you look at some other human being you make your own analysis what that person is and especially that analysis is a lot uh, filled with fear because it is filled with ignorance so sugriva has no idea who ram and lakshman are he has no idea what they have come over here for he has no idea what he what they are going through in their lives but he is sitting on top of a mountain and making his own conclusions that they have come to kill me they have nothing to give and take with him unnaturally he has made his conclusions basically so here on the ground ram and lakshman are crying especially ram is completely broken down and uh, ram is lamenting uh, the loss of sita he is telling lakshman that my life is simply a byproduct of my own bad karma first i lost the greatest opportunity to serve the kingdom as a king basically then i lost my greatest wealth my own father dasharath he died and he said now i have lost my life itself sita is gone so he says there was a day when i had two lakshmis rajya lakshmi which is the wealth of the kingdom and bhagya lakshmi bhagya lakshmi is the wealth of fortune so for him sita is bhagya bhagya means good fortune basically so he say now i don't have rajya lakshmi also the wealth of the kingdom nor do i have bhagya lakshmi you know so now i have become a today i have become a beggar he says you know all these years ram didn't feel like a beggar because he had the greatest fortune of sita's presence in his life but now that he has lost sita he actually feels like a beggar and then he says you know what will i explain to the ayodhya vasis when i go back you know i lost sita like that what will i explain to janak maharaj you know my father in law how i lost sita so then he says i can't blame anybody else the only person i can blame is myself and my own bad fortune so he starts crying he starts lamenting a lot you know but the interesting part is in ram's lamentation he doesn't blame anyone that's the very interesting part here ram is crying no doubt he is crying he is no doubt he is lamenting but in what losses he is going through what difficulties he is going through he is not blaming anyone he is taking responsibility for it himself the general tendency for human being is when they go through difficulties you look for somebody to blame to transfer the blame to most human beings either transfer the blame to karma they transfer the blame to god they transfer the blame to other people except themselves they transfer they try to transfer the blame to everybody else because when you take the blame it's actually a very powerful responsibility when you accept blame for what you're going through in your life you know that requires a lot of substance so when lakshman saw um, ram lamenting like anything lakshman he actually starts uh, advising ram you know lakshman has a very interesting role in the ramayan 
most of the times lakshman is following whatever ram says he is following like a servant younger brother you know and most of the time lakshman ram is correcting lakshman for all the mistakes that he does but there are few times in the ramayan where lakshman corrects ram where lakshman actually stands up and points out to ram what mistakes he is doing so this is a, this is known as a role reversal you know every human being has to play multiple roles in his life you can't always be doing the role of dependence there are sometimes where you have to do the role of helping others depend on you so most people love to be dependent on others why it's easy you know others take all the responsibility of you you have a relaxed life basically so most people don't want to take responsibility love to be dependent and that's what lakshman was most of his life also but he also knew there are some times in my in life where ram needs to depend on me so this particular instance in the ramayan we find that ram actually uh, was in a situation of um you know lamentation and he doesn't know what to do and this is the time lakshman stands out he tells ram that anything excessive you know anything in excess is bad even lamentation in excess is bad so he is advising ram that this time is not the time to lament so excessively you need to actually stand up and find sita you can cry later but this is not the time for you to lament and cry this is the time for action and he says anything that is done in excess leads to misery later and he starts giving examples of things that are done in too much excess you know that leads to misery he says everything should be done in balance so now ram was amazed that lakshman is giving him advice you know and actually ram becomes a little composed after hearing lakshman's uh, advice so here on top in the on top of the mountain um the three the four people are crying you know sugriva is crying naturally and then three others nala uh, neela and taru the three of them are also crying along with sugriva at that time hanuman ji makes his entry so it's a very interesting thing this is the first time in the ramayana that actually hanuman enters the ramayana this is the first scene the first scene of hanuman's entry and when he enters the first words he speak he speaks is actually something that shows the mood of hanuman throughout the ramayana you know what the first words he says he tells sugriva do not fear so he so that means look at the look at hanuman's role in the ramayana look at hanuman's role in all our lives this is the role of hanuman assuring us don't fear so um even in the hanuman chalisa if you study you know the hanuman chalisa the whole role of hanuman that is described in hanuman chalisa is somebody who protects you from all kinds of negative fears bhut pishach nikatani have you know so here hanuman ji he stands on top of um, the mountain and he is telling all the monkeys along with sugriva do not fear there is nothing to fear on this mountain and as soon as you know the three the four monkeys below they see hanuman the here hanuman actually they immediately look behind and they see this powerful personality standing on top of the mountain you know and just one look at hanuman they actually feel their fear going less a role of a devotee is to give hope to others hanuman's entry in the ramayan 
is to give hope to uh, others now hope giving is the true hallmark of a hero so now hero is not somebody who does heroic acts hero is somebody who can instill hope in people who are in difficulty who are suffering who are you know uh, going through troubles in their lives so um sugriv uh, hanuman tells sugriv don't worry there is no fear of wali on this mountain now there is a history to this when uh, sugriv has been on living on this mountain you know um the story behind this whole mountain is that this is the mountain where wali cannot enter this is the only place in the entire world that wali cannot enter the reason wali cannot enter this mountain is because he has been cursed by a sage named matangrishi not to enter this mountain and matangrishi cursed him that if he does anything on this if he enters even a radius of 1 km close to this mountain he will die so um though wali cannot enter the mountain wali does something very interesting he wants to keep harassing sugriv so what he does is he flies above the mountain and every time he flies above the mountain he kicks sugriv on his head and goes so wali cannot physically enter the mountain stand on the mountain but he keeps kicking sugriv from flying basically you can imagine what kind of a person he is you know so wali he does gayatri in the four oceans three times a day so that means he you know all the three gayatris he does little in the north ocean little south little east little west like that you know so every time he would jump from one ocean to another he would kick sugriv and go so look at what kind of distracted gayatri he was doing you know so literally for 12 times a day wali would kick sugriv and go so now sugriv was used to these timings you know he knew at this time kick will come so so many days he was being kicked every day 12 times a day by his brother i can imagine how insulting it is for sugriv you know so one day as sugriv was waiting for the kick to come just like almost there suddenly he finds that the kick doesn't come and he looks on top he finds wali's leg 1 inch above his head you know he's not kicking he's just hanging 1 inch above the head then he sees that hanuman ji has caught wali's leg so uh, hanuman ji is the um, disciple of sugriv uh, sorry of surya dev the sun god so after the whole uh, study you know hanuman ji studies with uh, surya learns all the vedas from surya so then he asks for guru dakshina he tell, tells surya that you know tell me what can i do for you so surya he tells him you go and become the servant and minister of my son sugriv he is very weak and he is very disturbed you go and become his minister and take care of him and that's when hanuman ji comes over there when he sees wali's kick coming hanuman ji catches wali's leg now wali is in big trouble he understands that somebody very powerful has caught me but now he doesn't know what to do so hanuman ji what he does is he catches the leg of wali and starts pulling him towards the mountain so wali starts screaming and yelling like anything he says no no don't touch me to the mountain hanuman ji tells him see i will leave you only on one condition that you promise never to come back here and trouble sugriv so wali says yes just leave me you know and then hanuman ji leaves him basically so essentially this hanuman ji catching wali is something that is symbolic from in sugriv's life because sugriv he is somebody who has lived with fear but hanuman is somebody who doesn't live with fear but he deals with fear 
so generally people who live with fear they decide that i cannot deal with it they decide that i cannot do anything about it but people like hanuman ji they face fears and they know that anything you face it will become small in the bhagavatam uh, not exactly bah sorry the mahabharat there is a very interesting folk tale connected to the mahabharat that uh, brings a good perspective to this uh, story one time krishna and balaram they were um, you know going from one place to another and they had to pass through uh, a forest and while they had to pass through the forest you know they had to spend the night in the forest so krishna and balaram both decided to halt in the forest sleep for the night over there so naturally it was a forest so one of them decided to guard while the other will sleep so they decided to take turns you know so as soon as they reached over there krishna went to sleep and balaram ji was guarding you know krishna he was walking around and suddenly a huge demon comes in front of balaram ji and balaram ji really gets scared you know so this demon comes and shouts out intensely ah he shouts and balaram ji gets so scared that he becomes small and the demon becomes bigger again the demon shouts out and again balaram ji becomes even more smaller and the demon becomes even more bigger you know a third time balaram the demon shouts out and this time balaram ji is really scared he becomes very small the demon becomes very big balaram ji shouts out krishna and then he falls unconscious you know so when krishna hears balaram ji shout krishna gets up and krishna sees balaram ji sleeping he doesn't even look at the demon he doesn't you know understand that there is a demon over there he thinks that balaram ji has slept now it is my turn to guard so he starts walking around guarding you know balaram and suddenly this demon comes out so when this demon comes out he comes and shout shouts intensely at krishna krishna looks at the demon and asks him what do you want as soon as krishna asks him what do you want this demon becomes small and krishna becomes big you know so the demon now he gets you know he doesn't know what's happening he again shouts out very intensely with all his energy and krishna asks him what do you want again the demon becomes small and krishna becomes even bigger and a third time the demon puts full energy and shouts out krishna asks him what do you want the demon becomes so small krishna takes him ties him under his dhoti and he goes to sleep you know the next day morning krishna and balram are going back and balram tells krishna do you know what happened yesterday night there was a huge demon that came and is scaring me so much krishna removed the demon from his dhoti and shows him you know is it this fellow balram ji says are how did how did he become so small he was so big yesterday and then vyasdev through the mouth of krishna gives a very interesting perspective to this whole story vyasdev says that anything that you fear that you avoid any problem that you avoid appears bigger and any problem that you face appears smaller so every time the balram ji was getting scared of the demon he was growing and he was becoming smaller and every time krishna was asking him what do you want facing the demon you know he was becoming smaller and krishna was becoming bigger problems in life will always be there the question is how do you deal with it there are some people who try running away from the problems and the more you run away the more the problem becomes bigger and the more you start facing it straight forward the more the problem appears smaller so here hanuman ji um, is helping sugriva understand that the problem that you are facing is not a problem why are you scared of something that doesn't exist 
why are you scared of a problem that has not even begun so he tries to help uh, sugriv see it from a different perspective so for sugriv anyone who comes near the mountain is problem only anybody who comes in from near the mountain he thinks wali only has sent him you know and he starts getting scared even before understanding so hanuman ji studies um, ram and lakshman from top and hanuman ji tells him that these two people they cannot be connected with wali because from their body dharma exudes and he says just by looking at them you can make out that their minds are in a disturbed state they seem to be very exhausted walking long distances and they are pushing themselves because they are searching for something that is valuable and they have lost and he says these two personalities appear to be the most dharmic personalities in the universe from every pore of their body uh, dharma oozes out and they seem to be like gods so he says they are not uh, they are definitely not sent by wali in fact they are oceans of mercy they are karuna sagar they don't seem to be indulging in acts of violence for their own sadistic pleasures so he says the, the weapons they are carrying are definitely meant only for protecting the weak people so he says we don't have to get scared of these people so sugriv he doesn't believe you know he tells hanuman ji see you may say all this that's fine but i need proof i need tangible proof that they are actually not uh, uh, wali's people so he tells uh, hanuman ji sugriv tells hanuman ji that i want you to go to the two of them and meet them and sugriv tells hanuman ji don't go like this don't go as a monkey as a vanara go disguising yourself as a human being he tells hanuman ji to change his form to a human being and go and approach uh, raman uh, uh, lakshman and he tells him specifically take the form of a sanyasi so he says in front of a sanyasi people cannot lie so he says take the form of a sanyasi and go there and then he say tells him that when you go in front of these two people praise them like anything sugriv says when you praise somebody that person's heart melts and the reality comes out you know so this is a very interesting psychology that sugriv is telling uh, hanuman so he tells them go and praise them like anything and then they will speak what the truth is so here <clears throat> we find the whole concept of hanuman ji's uh, entry in the ramayan very powerfully um, there so um when we look at the role of hanuman ji the role of hanuman ji as i said is to give hope to others you know so the um the two extremes of the ramayana as i as i told in the beginning there is wali the role of wali is to give trouble to others and the role of hanuman is to give hope to others now apparently wali and hanuman seem to be on two extremes of the same um and same uh, dimension but if you look at the mindsets of these two people wali lives only for himself and hanuman only lives for others if you actually study i i once uh, actually made an analysis of all the stories of hanuman that i ever know you know of the hundreds of stories of hanuman that i know i try to find out even one story in which hanuman gets something that means some benefit for himself and i realize i couldn't even find one story where hanuman actually gets some benefit for himself 
can you imagine what our life is living you know when we actually i mean why is hanuman so worshipable all over the world you know i mean to the extent how worshipable he is hanuman barack obama used to carry a deity of hanuman ji in his pocket all the time barack obama actually i mean hanuman ji has reached the white house you know. why is hanuman ji so famous and why is hanuman ji so worshipable the reason he is so worshipable is because he lives a life of selflessness anybody who lives a life of selflessness becomes a worshipable object you know so uh, hanuman ji he now disguises himself uh, in the role of a sanyasi in fact he disguises himself in the uh, in the form of a old fragile uh, looking sanyasi and he is a, he is disguised as a particular type of sanyasi which is known as a bikshuk sanyasi bikshuk sanyasi means he is a beggar basically so now in sanyas also there are different levels of sanyas you know different types of sanyasis bikshuk sanyasi means somebody who has no idea where his next meal is going to come also absolutely no idea you know so hanuman ji disguised himself as a bikshuk sanyasi and when ravan disguised himself as a sanyasi the valmiki ramayana explains that he took the role of what is known as a parivajakacharya sanyasi parivajakacharya sanyasi are those type of sanyasis who have much of their own who have opulent places to stay who have thousands of disciples and who wear expensive clothes i mean look at the uh, look at the whole mindset both are sanyasis both have taken the form of sanyasis but what type of sanyas they have chosen represents their mindset also you know so when hanuman ji takes the role of a bikshuk sanyasi beggar sanyasi which essentially means he he considers himself to be insignificant you know and he considers himself to be dependent totally on the mercy of the lord and therefore the role of a bikshuk sanyasi very much suited his mindset who has nothing and he aspires for begging from uh, the lords for his mercy and the role ravan took very apt because he always felt he is great he always felt he has everything he always felt that i don't need to depend on anybody and therefore even in that sanyasi took the role of a parvejikachari sanyasi so ramayan in these very subtle small things shows a lot about the psychology of characters that are there in the ramayan so when um, hanuman ji came in front of um, ram and lakshman um the moment he saw ram the the very moment he saw ram practically every bone in his body started melting he had like a bone melting experience you know literally he was trembling tears were coming out from his eyes you know his hair was standing on end and he started having this uh, uncontrollable symptoms and he had no idea why he is having these symptoms his begging bowl fell off from his hand his stick fell off so hanuman ji is thinking what is happening to me suddenly just when i came in front of these people you know so once when the the you know the these symptoms of ecstasy settled down you know he walked towards uh, ram and lakshman and he started seeing that there is very weird type of phenomena happening around ram and lakshman something unbelievable he saw that wild animals were walking along with ram and lakshman completely peacefully and they were just you know rubbing themselves on ram and lakshman you know as if they are friends basically he saw that every tree and plant under which ram and lakshman were passing the tree and plant was bending down towards ram and lakshman you know 
as if offering the respects to Ram and Lakshman. So he saw that if um, the forest creatures having so much overwhelming love towards these people, they cannot be ordinary people. So he goes and offers respects to Ram uh, instantly. So Ram, he immediately has a doubt in his mind. He has two doubts. The first doubt is, why is a sannyasi paying respects to young warriors? Sannyasis don't pay respect to Kshatriyas. Kshatriyas pay respects to, to sannyasis. So he says, so Ram, as soon as he sees Hanumanji is offering his obeisances to them, hey, this person cannot be a sannyasi. That is the first thought that comes in his mind. You know? And the second thought that comes in his mind is, uh, he starts thinking, why would a beggar be in a forest? Beggar generally are either in villages, towns or cities. Why would a beggar be in a forest? It's a complete mismatch, you know. So Ram was thinking, this person cannot be a beggar because a beggar being in a forest doesn't make sense. So Ram is having these thoughts in his mind, you know, and uh, he's, he realizes that there definitely is something more uh, about this um, sannyasi. He asks him, you know, who are you? And, you know, so Hanumanji asks them questions and Ram asks Hanumanji questions. So when Ram asks Hanumanji, who are you? He says, I'm a bhikshuk sannyasi here, I'm, you know. So Ram asks him, if you are a genuinely a beggar sannyasi, then what is a diamond necklace doing in your neck? Now Hanumanji gets a shock of his life. He says, you can actually see it. Ram says, of course I can see it or hanging around your neck. Hanuman looks at Lakshman and he says, can you see the diamond necklace? Lakshman says, no, I can't see any diamond necklace. Ra Hanumanji actually falls at Ram's feet and surrenders his life to Ram. Because there's a background story to this. When uh, in his childhood, um, Hanuma, uh, Lord Ram was, uh, sorry, Hanumanji was a small child. He did many pranks and out of the many things that he did was one of the, he went to eat the sun. So when he swallowed the sun, Indra threw the thunderbolt on Hanumanji and Hanumanji became unconscious, practically on the verge of dying. So Vayu took away all the air from the world. So just to pacify Vayu, the father of Hanumanji, all the demigods started offering him different boons. So Brahma, the boon Hanuman, uh, Brahma offered Hanuman, he offered two boons. One, of course, he offered, um, you know, uh, the boon of Icha Mrityu. He told Hanumanji that you will never die, you know, naturally. You can die as you want, you know. Another boon Brahmaji offered Hanumanji, he told him, uh, he actually offered him this diamond necklace. And he told Hanuman that when you wear this diamond necklace, no one will be able to see this diamond necklace ever. The only person who will be able to see this diamond necklace is your master. You surrender your life to him. Can you imagine wearing a diamond necklace and nobody looking at it? You know, People wear diamond necklace so that people can look at it, right? So Hanumanji wore a necklace all his life and nobody ever saw it, including his parents. And the first person who saw was Lord Ram. So what does, what does this diamond necklace represent? You know, This diamond necklace represents good qualities that we have. Each human being has some diamond-like qualities in them. But unfortunately, the whole world cannot see those, these qualities. Sometimes your whole lifetime goes without anybody looking at those qualities at all. And that's when somebody comes into your life, like the spiritual master, who points out to that uh, diamond-like quality that you have and helps you recognize that quality. That's the role of a spiritual master in our life, who actually brings out that hidden quality that nobody else can see the spiritual master can see and identify and he points it out to you. 
So when Hanumanji saw that Ram actually had pointed out to this diamond necklace, he was so grateful and so happy. And of course, um, you know, um, and and Hanumanji also had told uh, Lord Ram. In fact, uh, when um, Hanumanji was a small child, he always asked his mother, "What should I do in my life?" You know, and his mother told him one thing very uh, prominently. He, she told him that you will never have to go looking for your master. Your master will come looking for you. And the day your master comes looking for you, that day you surrender your life to your master. So Hanumanji actually fell at Lord Ram's feet, and you know, the disguise of a beggar sannyasi melted away. and his original form as hanuman uh, came back again there are some people in your life uh, when they come into your life you cannot uh, hide yourself you cannot show some that you are somebody else or something else you have to be your original self in front of some people i mean in front of the whole world we can disguise ourselves in front of the whole world we can wear masks and go around you know but there are some people who come into our life they are so powerful and they are so influential and they are so uh, impactive that all your disguises melt away and your original person that you that the world probably never saw manifests and that's the power of uh, great personalities in our lives that's the power of uh, the role of a spiritual master in our lives so when such people come there is a lot of respect that comes along with them and that respect is not just external but is a very deeply uh, connected internal uh, level of respect so uh, hanuman ji when he um, connects with lord ram and you know ram brings out these these hidden jewel um, uh, in hanuman ji uh, hanuman ji really becomes so grateful to lord ram um there's a very beautiful um, understanding of um, what beauty is there is a verse in the niti shastra which says नरस्य आभरणम रूपम रूपस्य आभरणम गुणम गुणस्य आभरणम ज्ञानम ज्ञानस्य आभरणम क्षमा दिस वर्स सेस नरस्य आभरणम रूपम मीन नर मीन्स ह्यूमन बीइंग आभरणम मीन्स ऑर्नामेंट इट सेस द ऑर्नामेंट ऑफ अ ह्यूमन बीइंग इज ब्यूटी सो दैट मीन्स ऑफ ऑल ह्यूमन बीइंग्स दोज हू आर वेरी ब्यूटिफुल आर कंसिडर्ड टू बी वेरी वेरी प्रोमिनेंट इन सोसायटी बट दिस वर्स गोज ऑन टू से दैट रूपस्य आभरणम गुणम he says if somebody is beautiful the actual ornament of a beautiful person is good qualities gunam and then it says gunasya varanam gyanam it says somebody who has good qualities the ornament of somebody who has good qualities is knowledge that means it's not just enough to have good qualities because without knowledge good qualities don't survive and then it says gyanasya varanam shama says the ornament of somebody who is knowledgeable is forgiveness so a uh, one who has bhakti in his heart automatically learns to forgive automatically has the ability to forgive so what is beauty beauty is actually a external manifestation of devotion of the heart so in the ramayan we find different kinds or different sections of the ramayan having different names like for example um the first section of the ramayan is known as balakand Which which is the childhood of Lord Ram. The second section is known as Ayodhya Kand, which deals with all the episodes that happen in Ayodhya. The third section of the Ramayana is known as Aranya Kand, which deals with the forest, the forest life of Ram and Lakshman Sita. Then the fourth section is known as Kishkinda Kand because all the activities happen in Kishkinda. The sixth 
a book of the ramayana is known as yuddha kand because it is about the fight but the fifth book of the ramayana is named very differently it is known as sundar kand now what is the meaning of sundar kand sundar means beautiful sundar kand means beautiful section that's all it doesn't make any sense because all other sections makes sense because it dep- it shows the activity that is happening in that section but sundar kand doesn't show any activity it doesn't it doesn't refer to any activity it refers to beauty and therefore it is uh, the valmiki ramayana explains about what is sundar in sundar kand why did valmiki choose the word sundar in sundar kand the sundar in the sundar kand the beautiful person in the sundar kand is hanuman ji and if you actually look at is is hanuman ji beautiful is a monkey beautiful monkeys are never considered to be beautiful right but what is beautiful in hanuman ji is his good qualities the devotion that he has towards lord ram and his dedication to mother sita so that uh, good quality that comes out is what uh, is a hidden jewel that ram has recognized in hanuman ji so as soon as uh, hanuman recognizes lord ram's presence he surrenders his life to lord ram and uh, hanuman ji explains who he is he tells him i am the servant of sugriva and uh, he actually explains the whole history behind what sugriva is going through and all so ram has a conversation with lakshman he is privately discussing with lakshman he tells lakshman if this is the quality of a servant what must be the quality of a master if hanuman ji is so great sugriva definitely is the right person to help us find sita this is ram's conclusion you know so uh, ram tells lakshman i am yet to meet somebody who is such an expert in speech like hanuman he says um ram actually starts narrating telling lakshman all the different um qualities or rather different uh, learnings that hanuman ji has so ram says just by looking at his speech we can make out that hanuman has learned all the four vedas thoroughly he says um somebody who has a uh, natural humility vinayata in which manifests in his words and gestures such a person has mastered atharva veda if you have mastered atharva veda only then you can manifest genuine humility in your words and actions and he says his vocabulary and choice of words shows that he has mastered yajur veda because anyone who uh, masters yajur veda has very sharp memory and then he says that hanuman has definitely learned rigveda because anybody who learns rigveda has a power of reproducing whatever he has learned powerfully so he says hanuman definitely has learned samaveda because there is a charm in his voice his speech seems to be like a song and definitely this is the result of uh, studying samaveda thoroughly he says there is no mistake in the joints between words and sentences there is no mistake in the words he chooses no error in the sentence formation and just by speaking hanuman can win anybody's hearts he says this person is so expert he is such a powerful orator that if somebody is angry and has a raised sword if he hears hanuman ji's speech he'll his anger will melt away that is the power in hanuman ji's words he says so uh, uh, ram is telling uh, lakshman that any king who has a ambassador who has a messenger like hanuman that king will definitely be victorious 
so here uh, the quality of speech of a of a person is um, uh, determined now generally people who speak their understanding of life is very much visible through their speech eloquence in speech is the strength that is derived from digested knowledge so when you have digested knowledge thoroughly then the digested knowledge comes out in the form of words so anyone who speaks just by looking at the uh, hearing the words of the person you can actually know a lot about his background lot about his knowledge lot about his abilities and here look at look at lord ram he has heard hanuman ji for a few minutes and just by hearing hanuman ji for a few minutes ram has giving a whole background of all the education that hanuman ji has gone gone through in his life so um in the olden days people would um, have such power of speech and their speech would be so influential uh, nowadays people when they speak what they speak is utter nonsense most of the times you, know. you actually feel uh, so disgusted sometimes when you hear people speaking because there is no depth in what they speak there is no substance in what they speak at all and they just speak anything and everything basically um but in, in the in the past people were so powerful that by their speech you could come to know so much about their backgrounds so here was hanuman ji uh, narrating the um the story of uh, the life of sugriva and vali to um uh, lord ram so essentially um when uh, hanuman ji talks about the background of these two people he talks about how these people were actually children of the demigods indra and um, surya you know come down as uh, monkeys born to a monkey king whose name was um rishikraj and uh, they were brothers the best of friends they loved each other but at some point they went through some difficulty in their lives which hanuman ji explains he explains how <coughs> um um these two brothers uh sugriva and um uh vali they were very strongly connected with one another and then they went through one misunderstanding the misunderstanding was created by a demon named mayavi and this mayavi demon he actually uh created a situation which led to a lot of conflicts now uh hanuman ji tells lord ram that your situation and sugriva's situation is exactly the same sugriva he also lost his wife because vali kidnapped uh, ruma and sugriva also lost his kingdom so just like sugriva lost his kingdom you also have lost your kingdom just like sugriva has lost his wife you also have lost his wife just like sugriva is in the forest you are also in the forest and just like sugriva is lamenting you are also lamenting so he says hanuman ji tells lord ram so therefore sugriva and you are best um accomplices best associates for each other you can help sugriva and sugriva can help you and saying like that um you know hanuman ji uh, carries ram and lakshman uh, to sugriva so now there is a very interesting discussion uh, that the acharyas talk about when hanuman ji is telling lord ram that you should go to sugriva now ram is thinking why should i go to sugriva sugriv should come to me generally when a when a patient is sick the patient goes to the doctor you know hardly you find doctors coming to the patients basically 
so that chair is explained that hanuman ji is telling uh, lord ram that my dear lord sugriv has been running all over the world he has ran so much from fear of wali that now he is tired of running he has given up his life practically he has given up hope so when sugriv is so tired of running that now even to meet a doctor he won't come so you only have to go to him you know hanuman ji tells uh, lord ram see when a patient is very sick but a patient is humble the patient goes to the doctor but when a patient reaches a level of sickness where he loses all hope he loses his humility also so such a patient you cannot expect to go to the doctor the doctor only has to show compassion and go to him basically so hanuman ji when he tells lord ram like this ram agrees to go to uh, meet sugriv so hanuman ji carries ram and lakshman on his shoulder to meet sugriv so um when um, um hanuman ji brings ram and lakshman to top of the mountain he keeps ram and lakshman at one point you know and he tells them wait here i'll go and get sugriv over here at least this much he can walk you know so hanuman ji goes inside the cave where sugriv is sitting and sugriv is sitting with all the, the other four uh, other three monkeys and hanuman ji tells uh, sugriv and come on these people you are doubting they are the most amazing personalities they are the ones who are actually going to save you from wali sugriv he says i still can't believe you know i mean what if, what if they do something wrong to me hanuman ji says come on just forget all your doubts come with me and then sugriv does something very interesting <clears throat> sugriv when he comes to meet lord ram he disguises himself again as a human being and comes to meet lord ram <clears throat> now why does sugriv do this <clears throat> why does sugriv disguise himself as a human being all the time you know why does he tell hanuman to disguise himself as a human being because sugriv is uncomfortable with who he is <clears throat> therefore he disguises himself there are many people who are very uncomfortable with who they are they want to appear like somebody else you know and because they are so uncomfortable with who they are they try to show the world something that they are not because they feel that the world wants to doesn't want to see me as i am the world wants to see me in a different way so sugriv represents those monkeys those vanaras who are uncomfortable with themselves so in life we find so many people who are somehow they are uncomfortable with who they are and they always try to think that if i become somebody else i'll be more comfortable you know so this is the mindset of a unsatisfied person in life always trying to be you know somebody else so uh when uh, sugriv comes in front of uh, lord ram <coughs> he is as i said he he comes in the form of a human being disguised as a human being he goes in front of lord ram and shakes ram's hand hanuman ji is thinking my god this person is so stupid he should be touching ram's feet he is shaking ram's hand over here you know so sugriv he represents those people who think that they are great or at least they try to show that they are great so when Han- or, uh, sugriv took the role of a human the form of a human he actually thought that he is a human you know and he thought that now i am equal with ram i can shake hands with ram people like hanuman ji they are very very um, aware of who they are and they are very aware of their uh, smallness and therefore they are not comfortable in taking shelter of somebody superior 
Sugriv wants to show that I am superior, so that he doesn't have to take shelter, but rather he becomes an equal. So he, Sugriv thought, me and Ram are both equals. He lost his wife, I lost my wife. He lost his kingdom, I lost my kingdom. He is crying, I am crying. So we are both equals, you know. So Sugriv didn't understand that even in that crying, even in that loss, Ram is at a different level only, you know. So he shakes hand with uh, with Lord Ram, and Hanuman is thinking, what a stupid way to. You know, meet Lord Ram. You know, he should be falling on the feet of Ram. He's shaking hands with Ram over here. Hanumanji doesn't say anything because uh, Hanumanji is ultimately, you know, a servant of Sugriv, messenger of Sugriv. He thinks that, and I cannot correct my superior like that. You know, so look at Hanumanji's sensitivity. He understands the mistakes that his master is doing, but he doesn't correct those mistakes immediately. You know, he doesn't at least, you know, he's very sensitive in the way he's dealing. He doesn't show his superiority. So then, um, Ram, when he, you know Sugriv is shaking his hand, Ram pulls him and embraces Sugriv. Now, when Ram embraces Sugriv, Sugriv starts crying tears, because till this point of time, the only connection he has faced, the only type of person he has faced is Vali. And look at the way his brother dealt with him, and look at the stranger. Ram is a stranger to him, but he is embracing him, and his own brother he is kicking him basically. So Sugriv, he, you know, he starts crying like anything, and Ram tells Sugriv, "Destiny has brought us together. We are going through similar situations, similar sufferings, and this suffering has bonded us together." So, um, you know, Hanumanji understands that the Sugriv is a monkey, and monkeys' minds are very unstable. You know, so he says that let us create a fire and seal this friendship, because for monkeys, their their decision changes all the time. You know. So right now, Sugriv is becoming friends with Ram. After some time, he might forget, or he might, you know, uh, not want to be friends. So Hanumanji actually creates a fire, and Ram and Sugriv go around that fire, sealing their friendship with vows of friendship around that fire. Now, why these fire sacrifices needed? The fire sacrifices needed because it, in your mind, represents something that cannot change. What is initiation? You know, initiation is exactly that only. Our minds are like monkeys, fickle all the time. We will say, "I will chant Hare Krishna all my life," but we will forget it. Therefore, there is a whole ceremony. You know, fire sacrifice. So many thousands of devotees are around you in front of the deities, in front of spiritual master. Then you take the same vow. Then you remember. You know, every time you try think of uh, forgetting it, you remember. Hey, I took vows in front of the spiritual master. You know, so that um, uh, you know that. the symbolism of having the fire is very important so then sugriv after the whole uh, friendship is sealed uh, sugriv invites ram to sit along with him so sugriv pulls out a branch of a tree puts it on the ground and offers it to lord ram he says please sit over here you know so of course sugriv is not in a palace so he cannot offer uh, you know throne or a palatial seat so he offers a tree bark for ram to sit so ram sits on one side of the tree bark And Sugriv goes and sits on the other side. Hanumanji is thinking, oh, "How stupid of him!" You know, he should be sitting on the floor, and more than anything else, he should offer the seat to Lakshman. So Lakshman is standing over here. Sugriv is sitting over here. So Sugriv is thinking, "Ram and me, both of us are kings. Lakshman and Hanuman are ministers. They can stand." You know, so Hanumanji is so. I mean, and Lord Ram notices it, and Ram feels so bad also that you know uh, Sugriv didn't respect Lakshman. because lakshman represents a spiritual master ram represents god 
But as much as you respect God, you also should show your respect to the spiritual master. So Sugriv showed respect to Ram. He offered him seat, but the disrespect was that he sat on the same level as Ram, and even more disrespect for the fact that he didn't offer any seat to Lakshman at all. So Hanumanji decided to rectify this mistake of his master. So what Hanumanji did was he went and brought the branch of a better tree, of a sandalwood tree, and he offered it to Lakshman to sit, and he himself sat on the ground. So when Ram, of course, for Sugri it didn't make a difference only. Sugri didn't even notice it. Basically, he was so insensitive, you know. But Ram immediately noted it. He realized that this person is really sensitive, you know. So now, when you actually um, act sensitive in front of great personalities like Lord Ram, you know, spiritual master and great devotees of the Lord, it actually brings in a lot of recognition. the devotees are not so much interested in your external powers they are more interested in your sensitivity so sugriv here he was acting so insensitive time and again you know and ram was noticing the sensitivity of hanuman ji time and again and he was this was impressions that were being created in ram's mind about hanuman ji so um as i said the uh, the the principles of uh, the monkeys in krishkinda was the concept of vanara so each monkey has a approach towards life so we saw how sugriv is uh, so vali is highly insensitive that is one extreme and hanuman ji is highly sensitive that's the other extreme you know and in between is sugriv like monkeys who are like confused completely you know <laughs> they are like sometimes they are okay sometimes they are bad you know so sugriv like monkeys represent all of us because sugriv is neither good nor bad he sometimes is good and sometimes is bad so all of us also are neither good nor bad sometimes we act good and sometimes we act bad morning program everyone is good you know mangalarti and japa and all that you know the time everyone is good but as the day increases you know all the badness and the you know other elements of the way behave dealings are with devotees becomes insensitive sometimes the way our mindset is our consciousness becomes insensitive sometimes so the question is are we good or are we bad we are neither good nor bad we are helpless by products of the environment in which we are if the environment is right for us we behave very well if the environment is bad for us we behave very badly you know so that's what this through the story of uh, these three monkeys uh, it is being constantly shown uh, to us so um at this point when ram uh, and uh, lakshman are with sugriv sugriv he actually uh, tells ram and lakshman that i have something to show you all so sugriv goes running and he brings a packet he tells lord ram that a few days back um i saw ravan kidnapping a beautiful lady from the skyways and as ravan was kidnapping this beautiful lady from the skyways this lady she threw a packet from the sky and she threw the packet in such a way that it landed straight in between us so sugri was standing with the with the four monkeys and they were they were discussing and they saw sita being kidnapped from the uh, by ravan and actually sita aimed the bundle in such a way that it fell at sugri's feet now there are many acharyas that give a commentary on this they explain 
why did ram come to sugriva for help the reason ram came to sugriva for help was because sita had chosen him already from the sky sita saw him you know and she saw all all the other monkeys also but specifically she threw the packet at sugriva's feet you know i mean don't ask me how she aimed it and all that you know that's sita you know you know so she threw the packet straight at sugriva's feet which means that she chose sugriva to be the person who will uh, be a part of this mission the fortune of sugriva was that she chose him so there are many people who ask this question ram could have chosen wali to help him find sita because wali was more powerful than sugriva wali was a king of kishkinda and wali had already defeated ravan once previously so ideally wali should have been the right choice for ram to find sita but wali ram didn't choose wali but rather he chose sugriva why because um for being chosen by god one of the requirements that you should have is that there should be pridelessness there should be an absence of pride so when a person is too much intoxicated with pride that i can do everything god doesn't choose such a person to do something powerful in fact he chooses somebody who is very weak and who feels i'm incapable and through that weak and incapable person the lord does something miraculous so wali represents somebody who was extremely pr- proud of his uh, capacity his capability and that pride made him disqualified and sugriva represents somebody who was beaten up thoroughly by circumstances by his brother by time factor somebody who is purified by time factor actually becomes qualified to serve god more than somebody who is proud because time factor eventually purifies everyone wali is not yet purified by time factor because he is not yet purified by time factor there is still time for him to serve the lord whereas sugriva has already been purified by time factor because he is thoroughly purified by time factor he is the right person to serve the lord so um, you know uh, sugriva opens his bundle and gives it to ram he tells lord ram that this bundle landed on soft grass therefore this bundle is the, the jewels in this bundle are unaffected so he tells ram please recognize if this bundle belongs to mother sita he opens the jewels as soon as he opens the jewels ram when he sees those jewels also he starts crying he his you know his eyes just well up and tears start flowing from his eyes he can't see only clearly there's too much glaze you know his tears are flooding too much in his eyes so ram tells lakshman you recognize sita's uh, jewels so lakshman he says naham janami keyure naham janami kundale nupure vaham janami nityam padabi vandanat he tells ram that i don't know anything about how her armlets look he says i don't know anything about how her earrings look you show me her anklets i will immediately recognize it because i have been meditating on her anklets for for so many years so uh, i mean sugri was shocked when he heard that lakshman saying that because and when sugri saw the reverence that lakshman had towards mother sita he was really shocked because now he understood what is the difference between monkeys and humans he had a brother wali 
who has kidnapped his own wife and here is lakshman who is telling i have not looked at sita above her feet look at the difference between how humans treat their sister in law and how monkeys treat their sister in law basically so suri will clearly understand the difference between human life and monkey life basically human life and animal life now look at the way valmiki ramayana is projecting this idea the valmiki ramayana is projecting this idea through the medium of monkeys they call vanara vanara again as i said it's not exactly monkey it's a question are you human you know so that means um according to the consciousness which you exhibit you are either a human or a monkey so sugriv saw that vali exhibited the consciousness of a monkey so he is definitely not human and lakshman exhibited the highest consciousness of being human you know and therefore lakshman uh, represented something that uh, of 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 a high character so hanuman ji sorted all the jewels and lakshman immediately recognized the anklets of mother sita and ram really you know broke down crying a lot you know so um when uh, ram broke down and you know sugriv pacified lord ram you know and then finally ram um, he overcame his uh, lamentation and at that time there was a whole discussion about um the story of sugriv so ram tells sugriv i will help you solve your problem and then you help me solve my problem so he tells i will find your wife ruma and i will get you back your kingdom then you help me find my wife sita that was a discussion so ram he tells uh, sugriv before i decide that i should kill vali or i you know do whatever i need to do with vali i need to know the whole story of vali tell me everything you know about the character of vali so now for ram he doesn't take decisions spontaneously his decisions are always calculated his decisions are always filled with reasoning so it's not that just that you know uh, he needs sita back and sugriv is going to help him with sita he will go and kill vali indiscriminately ram wants to know whether vali actually is bad and his decision whether vali, vali is good or bad will depend on what sugriv says but it will also depend a lot on what the truth is about this, about the uh, mindset of vali so then um, there is a whole discussion on um, you know who uh, what is vali's character what is vali's mindset you know so there are many stories that come out about vali in in uh, in this episode in this section so vali he was always a insecure monkey and uh, for his insecurity he is ready to do anything um there is a very small story about um uh, when vali was at some point the king of kishinda of course he comes to know from narad muni that hanuman ji is going to be born in kishkinda and hanuman ji is going to be born to keshari who is a chief in the army of vali uh, now naturally if hanuman is is inferior to him you know in terms of birth is not is not born to a king vali doesn't have any problems with him but still when narad muni told him that hanuman will be much more powerful than vali vali couldn't handle it Vali said I cannot have a child who is more powerful and any monkey that is more powerful than me in this kingdom. So you know what Vali decided? He decided to kill Hanuman ji in the womb of his mother Anjana. So he actually creates a portion which is a mixture of five metals. 
and he explained that if a pregnant woman drinks this liquid her pregnancy immediately gets aborted basically so he sent this liquid to uh, to anjana hanuman ji's mother through a maid servant so hanuman uh, anjana without any understanding of what this is she drinks it because the maid servant was a um, close associate so when she drinks it you know wali is waiting for the news that uh, the child is aborted no news comes so he goes the next day again no news absolutely nothing happens you know and the baby gets born after a few days so wali is shocked after drinking this liquid how can the baby be born so he goes to see who, how the baby is i mean wali goes to see the baby he gets a shock of his life because the baby monkey hanuman ji he was born with a earring and those five metals had become earrings of hanuman ji you know so what had what he had used to kill hanuman ji ended up decorating hanuman ji basically but look at the insensitivity of wali in terms of um dealing with um you know a a baby he wanted to kill the baby in the womb because he didn't want somebody to be more powerful than him so sugri explains how wali loved battles but though he was he loved battles he was also inclined to spiritual practices every day he followed a, a rigid schedule of uh, rituals and he never compromised on timings ever every day he paid obeisances to the eight directions uh, and to the uh, ashta dikpals or lokpals these are the people he would visit eight directions every single day and he would complete this eight direction visit before sunrise every day so that means he would offer get up much before brahma muhurta and uh, he would begin his uh, you know rituals so then he would uh, as i said he would have bath in the different oceans he would go bathe in the eastern ocean for external purification then he would go to the southern ocean to perform achaman then he would go to the western ocean to perform argya then he would go to the northern ocean where he would perform uh, archana japa and surya pasana so once all these rituals were done then he would jump straight into his coat and he would do a whole day of uh, you know um his services so now when uh, wali externally is doing all the rituals perfectly doing all the rituals unfortunately what wali didn't do was understand the essence of those rituals so rituals are like ornaments that decorate the body of dharma now many people follow the rituals sincerely but forget dharma completely it's like you know somebody is decorating putting ornaments in thin air if you don't have the body of dharma where will you hang the rituals where will you hang all the rituals that you're doing there are many people who are doing the rituals perfectly that's like ornamenting but before ornamenting you have to understand what is the essence of those rituals the essence of rituals is to follow the path of dharma so wali followed all the rituals perfectly but he forgot the essence of what the rituals is which is to develop love for god so um the history of um you know wali and uh, sugriva's fight is explained through a story there was a, a, a one point in uh, time when indra who was um uh, the king of the demigods he had thrown a party in the heavens and in this party there was a um 
apsara who was named named as hema apsara who was dancing in this party and hema apsara was so beautiful she was performing so wonderfully well that everybody was attracted to her there was one particular um, danava he's not a demigod his name was mayasura he became very much attracted to hema apsara and he actually went and met with her and he invited her to his home and then somehow they fell in love with each other and they got married so hema apsara and mayasur after their marriage they had two children two sons one was named as dundubi and the second was named as mayavi the two powerful sons now the problem with dundubi and mayavi was that they were exactly like their father very very ambitious and for achieving their ambition they were ready to do anything mayasur you know what he did to achieve perfection to become the most powerful architect in the history of uh, the universe so mayasur learned a particular type of mantra or rather a particular type of uh, uh, technique from lord brahma and the technique that mayasur learned was you could read the mind of the other person and you could capture thoughts of the other person so mayasur used the technique on his own guru shukracharya and he learned everything about architecture from the mind of shukracharya this is like digital hacking you know nowadays you hack softwares this fellow hacked his guru's mind only practically so when you want to steal knowledge when you want to learn knowledge from your guru there is one way that you learn is by submissive oral reception mayasur had no patience for that he went the other extreme he hacked the mind of the guru directly you know stole the knowledge from his guru's mind directly and then he became the best architect in the whole universe naturally you know over ambitious ready to do anything what is greed greed is when your ambition crosses the fine line of ethics so once you cross the fine line of ethics your ambition becomes greed basically so being the son of mayasur dundubi and mayavi were powerful demons and they wanted to become even better than their father so the father was interested in proving that intellectual greatness the sons were interested in proving physical greatness so both mayavi and dundubi became best friends of ravan and they actually became powerful demons basically and eventually um, there was a point of time where dundubi he went around the whole universe trying to fight with people so dundubi would often take the shape of a buffalo a buffalo demon a powerful buffalo and he was looking for a good fight you know when you are very powerful you need somebody to fight with who is equally powerful no point in fighting fighting with weak people you know so dundubi went and he started uh, challenging the ocean god varuna he said i want to fight with you come varuna said i surrender you go to uh, himalaya mountain himavan and he is a big fight he'll be a good fight for you so he went to himavan he challenged himavan himavan said see i am nothing i am no one for you you should go to lord shiva and kailash he will fight with you so he went to lord shiva shiva said i am also nothing go to indra he will fight with you you know literally nobody was interested in fighting with him practically you know so dundubi went to indra indra said see you are so arrogant i will not fight with you but my son will fight with you and he will kill you and that's when dundubi went to vali you know to challenge vali and uh, vali and dundubi had a intense fight and vali had this jewel you know with which uh, he wore that would get half the strength of the enemy so by the power of the jewel dundubi was becoming weaker and weaker and vali was becoming more and more powerful eventually vali got uh, banished to 
killed Dundubi. And the way he killed Dundubi was, he took Dundubi's legs and he started, you know, circulating in the air. And he threw it very far away. And Dundubi's huge body, this is like a massive giant demon, you know, buffalo demon. The whole body of Dundubi landed on uh, one hill and landed in front of an ashram, unfortunately for Wali, which was Matangamuni's ashram. And the, when the body landed so powerfully, all the blood of Dundubi splashed all over the ashram, you know, and it fell on Matangarishi and all. So Matangarishi got so wild at Wali. Uh, Matangarishi, Matanga, Matangarishi, yeah. He got so angry and upset with uh, Wali that he cursed him. If this fellow comes anywhere in the range of one kilometer around the Rishimuka mountain, he will die. And that is how that curse came, you know, uh, in, to Sugriva's rescue much later. So when Dundibi died, the second demon, Mayavi, he decided, I will kill Wali. So Mayavi came running to challenge Wali. And when uh, Mayavi came running to challenge Wali, now Wali again started, um, you know, running away from uh, the Mayavi demon, uh, sorry, running behind the Mayavi demon. And Mayavi this time, what he did was, he went and hid inside a, a cavity in the earth. He hid inside a hole inside the earth. And Wali, he decided to follow him into the uh, earth and kill Mayavi. And when Wali was about to jump into the earth, Sugri, he told Wali, I will also come with you. So that time Sugriva and Wali were brothers, they were best of friends, they were doing everything together. So Wali told Sugriva, no, you don't come with me, stand outside and wait for me to come back. Now, why did Wali not take Sugriva with him? The reason Wali did not take Sugriva with him was because Wali did not want to share credit of success. He wanted to go inside, fight the demon alone and kill him alone and get the credit of being successful alone. Because if Sugriv also went along with him, then Wali would have to share this credit of success with Sugriv. Wali didn't want to do that, you know. So Wali jumped in. For one full year, Wali was inside that hole. And Sugriv was waiting outside. Sugriv couldn't go home also. He couldn't leave, you know, leave that place also. One year he was waiting. And after one year, there was an intense shout that came from inside, which sounded like Wali's voice. And then blood started coming out, you know, of the cave. Now, Sugriva had no idea whose blood it was. So, Wali had given him an instruction. He said, if red blood comes out, then you should understand I am dead. And if white blood comes out, you should understand Mayavi is dead. So, when uh, Sugriva saw blood coming out, initially it was white blood. Then instantly that white blood converted into red. So, now Sugriva didn't know whether it was Wali's blood or Mayavi's blood. Because Mayavi demon, while dying, he played a magic trick. He converted his blood, which is white in color, into red in color. So Sugriv thought his brother is dead. And he put a whole mountain on top of that hole to cover that hole. And Sugriv went back home, basically. So when uh, you know, Wali was trying to come out of that hole, so Wali saw that the hole had been covered. In the meanwhile, Sugriv had become a king over there. You know, All the ministers made Sugriv the king. So Wali came and he broke open that uh, the, the door and he came out. And he started telling Sugriv that you have cheated me. So Sugriv said, I have not cheated. I made a mistake. I thought you were dead, you know. And then that's where the fight between Wali and Sugriv happened, you know. Massive misunderstanding. And due to this misunderstanding, Wali kicked out Sugriv from the kingdom. And he was not happy just kicking out Sugriv from the kingdom. 
he wanted to kill sugriv so practically wali chase sugriv all over the universe practically every corner of the universe wali chase sugriv and finally somehow the other sugriv came and hid in this rishimoka mountain which is the only place where uh, wali could not come and after explaining the whole story of how um, you know wali had uh, cheated him and thrown him out of the kingdom and wali kidnapped his wife ruma then sugriv tells ram please help me you know so ram agrees to help sugriv but the interesting thing is every time ram agrees to do something this monkey mind of sugriv starts coming out again you know so sugriv starts thinking wali is so powerful can ram actually kill him so this doubting mentality is what human beings are accustomed to all the time you know so here here on one level he is taking shelter of ram saying that please help me and immediately he is saying will you be able to help me so this lack of confidence is what makes somebody a demon or a devotee like in the bhagavatam we find the story of ritrasur where ritrasur comes to fight with indra and indra has the thunderbolt weapon in his hand and he is going to throw it on ritrasur but he is thinking will this thunderbolt work or no you know so just before the thunderbolt indra throws a mace at ritrasur and that mace ritrasur catches and throws it back at indra you know and indra the elephant goes behind such a distance so at that time indra he starts having doubt in his own abilities and he has the gada in he has the vajra in his hand this vajra is empowered by vishnu himself and having the vajra in his hand uh, indra is thinking will this vajra work what if he catches and throws it back at me i will die you know so he is not throwing only and vritrasur starts telling indra don't worry you throw it will work this is empowered by vishnu you should have faith you know vritrasur is advising a demon uh, advising indra can you imagine a demon is advising a devotee to have faith in uh, in the lord's powers so many times we are chanting the holy names of the lord but we f- we tend to not have faith in the holy name of the lord and sometimes some person who is a non devotee who has no connection with krishna's holy names he might tell you don't worry chant hari krishna everything will work you know right sometimes demons actually have to you know advise us to have faith in the holy name ourselves so here in this case sugriv is having confidence in ram saying that ram will i'm taking shelter of ram next moment he is doubting whether ram can actually help me or no and then sugriv decides to test ram he um tells ram i will tell you three different tests and i want to sh- i want to actually know whether you can actually save me or no and kill wali or no so first he tells him when wali was um, young he threw this demon dundubi's body across hundreds of miles i will show you where that body of the demon is show me if you can throw that body somewhere so they take uh, he takes ram to the place where matangrishi ashram was and the huge carcass of dundubi was lying over there it is a practically a heap of bones with a little skin on it like that you know ram just flicks it with his feet and that body of the demon goes hundreds of miles away so now ram has proved himself the sugriv says when wali threw it it was it was filled with flesh and blood also now there is no flesh and blood so maybe you can't do you know you can't do what he did i will do one more test you know then like that you know while sugriv tests ram again and again and again three different times sugriv tests ram and the three tests indicate how sugriv's mindset was filled with doubts 
so now if you study these three mindsets the mindset of sugriv the mindset of vali and the mindset of hanuman ji these three mindsets represents different levels of faith basically the mindset of vali represents faith in himself vali had no faith in anybody else he had full confidence in himself only you know so he was powerful he thought i can do everything the mindset of hanuman ji represents full dependence on on lord ram he had great powers but though he had great powers he didn't only depend on his own powers he always felt that ram is doing things through me that's what we saw today morning in sony hanuman ji stories and the third monkey is sugriv he is confused i he wants to take shelter of the lord but he has so many doubts in his heart and this confusion is what makes sugriv very human sugriv represent all of us so this whole episode of um um you know sugriv trying to fight with his own doubts trying to fight with his own understanding of life trying to fight his, with his own dependence on lord ram that's the struggle that a sadhaka goes through in his personal life also so every sadhaka is like sugriv beaten up badly black and blue by wali you know by time factor practically and finally he comes to a point where he loses confidence in himself but at the same time he doesn't develop confidence in the lord also so he is he has lost confidence in himself definitely but he has still not yet developed confidence in the lord and the process of losing confidence in oneself and at the same time developing confidence in the lord is what the ramayan shows us through the path of devotee uh, through the path of sugriva's struggle and finally as uh, sugriva keeps testing ram again and again and again after 3 4 tests sugriva says now i have confidence in you can you imagine what level ram has to go to you know generally god tests his devotees but here devotee is testing god so sometimes god has to have so much patience to get one person to surrender to him you know so this is the extent of the lord's compassion you know he goes to the to any extent to get one surrender from us from a soul from a living entity that has gone away from him so when ram meets sugriva for the first time ram keeps staring at sugriva for a long period of time so the acharya has explained why ram is staring at sugriva and sugriva also keeps staring at ram for a long period of time now sugriva staring at ram is understandable because ram is so beautiful to look at you know you can keep staring at him for years together but ram staring at sugriva is not understandable because there is nothing great to stare in sugriva you know to look at sugriva why does ram look at sugriva so intensely the acharya has explained this is the feeling that the lord has when he looks at a living entity who is deciding to start serving him again so when i mean shila prabhupad always spoke about this uh, idea of what is real beauty you know in the story of jagat tarini mata ji you know when she was a uh, actress she was a hollywood actress at some point and then she became a devotee there was a newspaper article that came which her photo as an actress and another photo as a devotee you know washing clothes washing vessels so shila prabhupad compared the two photos and he said tell me which photo she looks more beautiful you know so the devotees were confused and then prabhupad said in the second photo when she is serving the lord because the beauty of a living entity is maximum when he is engaged in in krishna seva so here sugriva is actually going to start serving ram and therefore ram keeps staring at him because he is thinking that this fellow is finally the living entity has come to the point where he wants to serve and that's the beauty that uh, lord ram is looking at so from this point onwards um after 
Sugriv actually surrenders to the Lord, accepts the Lord as his master, and uh, decides to uh, connect with uh, Lord Ram in mood of dependence. The story of Sugriv starts to another level. So from this point onwards, you will find that uh, Ram and Sugriv are helping each other and connecting each other at a totally different level. And from this point onwards, we find Sugriv again his struggle continues with his mind because again and again doubts keep overcoming him. But again and again, he goes to Hanumanji to seek solution for his doubts. So the difference between Vali and Sugriv is that Vali didn't have Hanuman and Sugriv had Hanuman. Because Sugriv had association of Hanuman like devotees, every time he had doubts, Hanuman gave him direction. Because Vali didn't have somebody like Hanuman in his life, he never had anybody to discuss his doubts with. And therefore, he kept making mistakes after mistakes. So these three personalities, Hanuman, Vali and Sugriv, actually indicate so much of what we are going through in our personal lives. Our aspiration is to progress from Vali to being Sugriv and from Sugriv to being Hanuman. And that's the progression that Ramayan teaches through this beautiful story of these three personalities you know, connecting with one another. Of course, the story goes on, but I'll stop over here at this point. You know, if any doubts or uh, comments, you can take up. This part of the, uh, the story of the Ramayana is literally a small fraction of the entire Ramayana. You know. It's not even a drop in the ocean. You know. There is a, a saint whose name is Kamba, Kamba Muni in South India. He has written a commentary, he has written a whole Ramayana in Tamil, Tamil poetry. And while writing the Ramayana in Tamil poetry, he makes a very interesting statement, which really is relevant. You know. He says that Valmiki Ramayana is like an ocean of milk. And Kamba says, I am like a cat. You know, If a cat comes in front of an ocean of milk, how much milk can a cat drink? So he says, my, my stomach is limited. I can drink very little. You know, But whatever I drink, I feel completely nourished. So I was thinking, if Kamba considers himself to be like a cat, we are like a little like an ant. You know? And this, the Valmiki Ramayana is like an ocean of milk. One drop falls on us, enough to drown. You know? We can't handle more than that. So from morning we have been, you know, dealing with literally one or two drops of the whole Ramayana. And hopefully that has given you an idea of what nectar is stored in the whole Ramayana basically. When did I start? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think... Uh, My background is that I come from the Sri Sampradaya, which is uh, in South India. I was born in Kanchipuram. Um, from my childhood, I've been hearing stories of the Ramayana from my grandmother. You know, probably heard the Ramayana a few hundred times from my grandmother. But in addition to that, I've been hearing a lot of lectures all on the Ramayana from Tamil uh, saints. You know, and uh, so that's where the interest originated. But of course, I lost that connection for a long period of time till I connected to this con and I really started understanding our philosophy thoroughly. And then at some point while I was, um, you know, in the ashram, I uh, heard a few lectures in the Ramayana that kind of rekindled my desire to study thoroughly. And then again, I got into it. That's how. <laughs> I originally began the endeavor of writing Ramayana, uh, thinking that we need to give some alternative for to our kids to read good quality books. So that was my original thought behind getting into writing the Ramayana. 
I never ever thought that it would actually become like a you know published book that will be published by a reputed publishing house and all that. Yeah, yeah all the Ramayan books are bestsellers in India. This is called as a fallback option. Each one of us should have a fallback option. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, such a small story, but there's such deep, subtle things into this, you know, small part of the Ramayana, basically. That's how the whole book is. Every, every section is like, you know, so much depth in it, practically. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, to some extent, um, uh, the 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 whole idea of um, um, I mean, tomorrow I'll speak a lot of Mahabharata also, you know, so you'll get some flavor of the Mahabharata aspect tomorrow. But um, uh, my study of Ramayana is like much deeper than you know Mahabharata, definitely. So my primary study has been Bhagavad Gita, Mahabharata, uh, Ramayana, and uh, Bhagavatam to a great extent. Yeah, Mahabharata I'm still to uh, enter very deeply. So though what I know Mahabharata is, is good, but um, Mahabharata again is like a, it's, it's four times bigger than Ramayana. Ramayana has 24,000 verses, Mahabharata has 100,000 verses. Yeah. So how much ever you study is never going to be enough, yeah, because there's a lot more. Thank you, thank you.